KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Kohlberg. It's Friday, April 16th. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria unveils the next city budget. We'll have more on that next and what's in it. But first, let's do the headlines. All Californians 16 and older are now eligible to get a COVID-19 vaccine, no questions asked. Though officials are warning that appointments may be hard to find, and they're asking for your patience after a rush they got on Thursday. County Board of Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher received his first dose of the vaccine on Thursday. He says he understands there's still some hesitancy out there, but he's encouraging everyone to get vaccinated. Legoland California officially reopened its doors on Tuesday after being closed for more than a year. Eric Portillo of Orange County was at the park on Thursday with his family. He says the park opened just in time for them to celebrate his son's third birthday. It means a lot to finally be able to enjoy some uh, some time at the, th- at the amusement park. It's a lot of fun. Capacity is currently limited to 25% in the orange tier, and if you want to go, you still have to reserve a ticket online. A homeless encampment in Oceanside was cleared out recently with 28 people given motel vouchers. In the encampment's place now, a big pile of rocks. Using bulldozers, city crews moved large rocks onto the site along South Oceanside Boulevard earlier this week to prevent homeless encampments from forming again. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria released his first budget proposal on Thursday, totaling $4.6 billion in spending for the 2021-22 fiscal year. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says federal stimulus funds saved the city from major cuts. Gloria plans on spreading out the aid included in President Biden's American Rescue Plan over the next two fiscal years, since the economic recovery will likely take at least that long. There are cuts in the mayor's budget, but he says they could have been much worse. Without the over $300 million that President Biden, Vice President Harris, and the Congress has sent to cities like ours, we'd be in a position of decimating neighborhood services, of laying off city employees, of asking folks to take pay cuts, asking them to take pay cuts after they have spent the last year doing what it takes to knock down this pandemic. Libraries shuttered at the onset of the pandemic would reopen, but only for five days a week, staying closed on Sundays and Mondays. That would save the city $6.9 million. Gloria also proposes cutting the police overtime budget by $4 million, which he says he'll reinvest in community programs to prevent gang violence and the city's new independent police oversight commission. The commission will hold bad actors accountable and provide the public with increased transparency on police disciplinary actions. 
And by working closely with the police department, we are reimagining policing in San Diego to focus more on stopping crime before it starts. Homelessness is often cited as the number one concern among San Diegans. Gloria proposes consolidating the city's homeless services into a new department and spending $10 million on crisis intervention and housing strategies. Over the next month, the city council will review each department's budget leading up to a final vote in mid-June. That was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Vaccine clinics across San Diego were mobbed on Thursday with eligibility opened up. KPBS's Alexandra Von Hell has this report from National City. With vaccine eligibility expanding in California for people 16 years of age and older, Thursday's vaccine line and National City's weekly vaccine clinic was longer than usual. Many families waiting for their turn showed up with their children to get vaccinated, making it a family affair. We spoke to Carla Nava, a resident of National City, who was there with her husband and two children. She was grateful to be one of the 300 people vaccinated at the walk-in clinic. We wanted to make sure that as soon as we could get it, we were here. National City's mayor says the city is on track to vaccinate 48,000 people by June, which is 75% of their population. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell reporting from National City. A North San Diego County Catholic school is apologizing this week after members of its football team circulated racist photos directed at Lincoln High School. But school district officials say the incident goes deeper than just this one incident. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong has more. A photo shared on social media in the past week by a football player at Cathedral Catholic High School in Carmel Valley depicted someone wearing a t-shirt that read Catholics versus convicts. Another showed several players mimicking gang signs with their hands. The photos targeted Lincoln High School in Southeast San Diego, Cathedral's opponent in football last Friday. Officials from both the school and the San Diego Diocese condemned the behavior. We're accountable and, and we need to do something about this and we will. Kevin Eckery is the spokesman for the San Diego Diocese. This is something that has to get addressed in, in, in really open and sincere and authentic um, dialogue. I mean, there's, there's nothing here that's, that's unique. Go ask someone of color every day. And there, there's nothing here that was particularly uh, unusual. The unusual thing is that we're able to flag it and, and condemn it and hopefully do something about it. Cathedral Catholic issued an apology to the entire Lincoln High School community. San Diego Unified School Board President Richard Barrera said this racist incident is unfortunately nothing new for Lincoln High School. We appreciate the apology, but we've also, you know, the early comments that we've seen, um, you know, focus on the inappropriate actions of students, which of course we agree with, but there also has to be some examination, you know, at the institutional level of you know, what, what kind of culture, you know, makes uh, some students feel like this is an okay thing to do. Brewer said Lincoln High School has invited Cathedral Catholic students to the campus to discuss the racist behavior. Brewer says he hopes the silver lining from this incident is that the greater San Diego community learns about how accomplished Lincoln High School students are, both on the field and in the classroom. And that was KPBS education reporter Joe Hong. 
Coming up, Pack Arts kicks off its 10th spring showcase next week. We'll have a preview and a look at local jazz artists as part of our influential music series. All of that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. PAC Arts kicks off its 10th spring showcase of Asian films next week. Once again, the film festival will take place completely online. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando has this preview. PAC Arts Spring Showcase has always been a joyous celebration of Asian film. But the pandemic, coupled with a recent rise in anti-Asian hate crimes, makes this year feel different, says artistic director Brian Hu. Feels like we need to do this now. But the the pandemic has created challenges. Films aren't aren't as available as they used to be. And then, of course, the anti-Asian attacks that have been very visible remind us that perhaps we need to be thinking about our visibility as a film festival as a way to combat the dehumanizing images that we often see, or just to show, especially to other Asian Americans, that there's plenty that we can still be joyous about. That's why Who created the program Songs Our Elders Taught Me. These are films that focus on older Asian American characters. Who challenged himself to find films that have never been available streaming, like Cosmopolitan and The Wash. One of our films, um, The Wash, um, it was never released on DVD. But the filmmaker reminded me that there was a Laserdisc of it. So if we could track that down, he let us show it. And so we tracked it down and we tracked down the equipment necessary to capture it digitally. In another sidebar called Sovereign Cinema, the focus is on documentaries about Hawaii. I discovered that there is a film collective that's been around for decades called Namaka Okaena. And they've been making like the most incisive, committed political documentaries that I've, that I've seen kind of anywhere in the world. The missionaries began to buy large tracts of land, leaving the church and becoming merchants. Some today are multinational corporations. One of the films is Act of War, The Overthrow of the Hawaiian Nation, a video documentary from the 1990s. The technology may feel dated, but the documentary is packed with information. If a native was stubborn and held on to his land, they would surround him with their plantations and squeeze him out. It, it's so dense with information. It changes your entire like perspective on Hawaii's notion of sovereignty. Cane Fire is a new documentary that cleverly uses Hollywood movies like Blue Hawaii with Elvis Presley this is the moment. to show what has colored our perspective on the islands. I've waited for the culture has been appropriated. Hollywood films are all very quote-unquote respectful to the Hawaiian culture. It's very much about the music and the costumes. But like, what good does that do for somebody in Hawaii who is seeing all of their natural resources and their land being uh, increasingly bought up and, and turned into property 
through the very the very same kinds of um, institutional mechanisms that are creating these kinds of like respectable images. Who has also programmed a wonderful film from Iran's Majid Majidi called Sun Children, which looks to street kids. But he has the spin on it, which is a heist film. It's still grounded in realism, but it, there's like it's it's cast this jolt of energy, of like a are they going to find the treasure of <laughs> that makes us really stand out, not just in Iranian cinema, but for Asian cinema more broadly. And since he mentioned jolts of energy, that's my cue to highlight my favorite part of the festival, Mystery Kung Fu Theater. The titles are a secret, but you're guaranteed outrageous old school Kung Fu action. And, and I think our audiences are going to have a blast with the, with the two films that we've chosen for this program. It's going to be a double feature and it's going to be live streamed via Twitch. And streamed on a Saturday morning to remind many of us of how we discovered Kung Fu movies on TV. Attendees will be able to chat with each other online to savor every delicious line and applaud every crazy martial arts move. So despite a serious social context for this year's Spring Showcase, there's still joy to be found. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. PacArt's virtual Spring Showcase runs April 23rd through May 2nd. Jazz pianist Joshua White thrives on improvising and working out music with other musicians during performances. He had to shift gears a little during the pandemic and look internally for inspiration and even embrace virtual platforms. But as performers are beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel, White is looking forward to the thrill and essence of live jazz. For our influential music series, we asked him to make us a playlist, and he picked five local music icons whose work has impacted him and the jazz scene in San Diego and beyond. Here's Joshua White in his own words. Since the pandemic began, there's been a drastic change in my practice in terms of performance because a lot of what I did as a musician was live performance based. So not only working on my music and writing and arranging, but actually performing in front of live audiences and testing out new material and new arrangements with my fellow musicians. And thankfully things are starting to open back up. So we're getting a chance as musicians to try out all these ideas that have been in this sort of gestation for, you know, this past year. Outside of a musical collaboration, I'm always interested in working with people who have a interesting perspective and a way of communicating that perspective and who are interested in collaboration, but also, you know, have an interesting way of putting their ideas together in the moment and have the capacity to respond to any given piece of information, any given stimuli at any given time. You know, exploring the ideas in the moment. (laughs) 
I think I met Charles McPherson back in 2003 at the inaugural year of the UCSD Jazz Camp. And just so happens that that program, I got to meet some of the greatest internationally touring artists who also live here in San Diego. And one of those individuals was the great Charles McPherson. And it was truly an honor to meet him and to hear him live in person at that formative time in my development. So in meeting Charles McPherson and learning more about him, his history and his music, I immediately went to the record store and I would say this particular recording suddenly was the first recording that I purchased by Charles McPherson. The record blew me away. I mean, just hearing him in person is amazing as well as getting the records. And thankfully over the years, I've had a chance to collaborate with him on many different occasions. And, you know, it's always been a great and wonderful learning experience to be next to a real master of this musical tradition that, you know, is most commonly referred to as jazz. I first met Holly Hoffman at that same music program at UCSD in 2003. And I would say that our connection was through the flute because at that time I was playing the flute as well. I've also admired all of her recorded work and I thankfully I have the honor of working with her on April 17th. We're playing a live stream concert of her music and she allowed me the opportunity to pick my favorite recorded material and we will be playing that music at the live stream concert which includes one of my favorites, Further Adventures. What I like about Further Adventures is that it has an interesting musical form and it has a lot of fun sections to play over. And that's really what in jazz or improvised music, it's not only do we enjoy the melodies and the chords and things like that, but they present an interesting area from which we can improvise and create from that framework. I always equate working with Mark Dresser and his music and his bands as sort of my college level experience in music theory and composition because in my personal experience, he's been one of my favorite composers and he writes these such interesting melodies and harmonies and everything. He's been one of the musicians I would say has opened up a new world to me in terms of what I thought was possible in music and improvisation and in composition. And this particular song, Parawaltz, we've played this many, many times together.
I've always told him that this particular composition of his is my favorite melody by far that he's written. I love the chords and I love the harmony and how everything, you know, just works together in like a harmonious fashion. And I'm always grateful to have the opportunity to collaborate and work with Mark on any project. Like if he has a recording project and he asks me if I'm available or a live performance, I'm there. And if I have a project, I know he's going to bring something remarkable and truly special to the occasion. Carried you halfway across the river on my neck And you stung me, you stung me I first met Janae Kendrick, so it's an interesting story. I was playing with Gilbert Castellanos at a jam session, I believe it might've been on Thursdays or Wednesday nights, many years ago. It was at Seven Grand in North Park. So I had been playing there for a few years already. And at a jam session, it's customary that musicians or whomever would like to sit in, you know, once invited, they're able to sit in and join the house band. So I had never met Janae and she came up to the bandstand and said, I'm a vocalist, I would like to sit in. So she told me just to start wherever I would like to start. And I just started in my natural abstract space and I wanted to see where she would go with that. And she just jumped right in and just floored me. And I knew from then, if I had a vocalist. How'd I ignore all the things you taught me in the past? What made it worse was knowing that feeling was my last. She just floors me every time that we work together because not only is she a brilliant musician, but she's just a wonderful person and she adds such a great energy and a great spirit to every ensemble that we're able to work together. I also met Mike Wofford that first year at the UCSD Jazz Camp in 2003. And really, you can pick any recording from Mike Wofford and you're going to get, you know, a world of knowledge from his playing. But I think that his arrangement of the old standard, My Old Flame, just is characteristic of his grace and nuance at the piano. I don't know that I can see into the future in terms of where live performance is going post pandemic with the introduction of more virtual performances, because quite honestly, I prefer just performing live as to performing virtually because I'm open to the opportunity of both experiences, the virtual as well as the live, but I will always be in favor of the live performances and letting it just live in that moment. And then once it's gone, it's gone. That was local jazz pianist Joshua White. He performed Saturday night in the anthology series Livestream alongside Holly Hoffman and Gilbert Castellanos. You can find more details as well as a playlist of all these tracks on our website at kpbs.org.
And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.